Hey guys, today we're reading uh, from Ezekiel, doing chapter uh, 36, verses 18, 16 to the end. Um, I'm not sure how many of you guys have actually ever read the book of Ezekiel, and so we wanted to give you some context. Uh, so Ezekiel is the third of the major prophets, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And these are all around the times of the uh, Assyrian and then eventually Babylonian invasions. And so they're in order, actually, in the Bible, because Isaiah prophesies during Assyria's invasion of the northern kingdom into the invasion of Judah. Jeremiah prophesies during the invasion of Judah and the beginning of the exile, and Ezekiel prophesies during the beginning of the exile into the exile. Right. So they say that uh, Ezekiel was probably um, a dude living with these uh, exiled people in Babylon, um, maybe at the banks of one of the rivers. He's like a vision while he's next to a river. And so uh, the exile basically means that they were conquered and they are no longer in their homeland. This is like the lowest of the low for the uh, Jewish people where they were literally taken out of their city. Their temple has been destroyed. There's no hope. So if any of you have ever read Ezekiel, he's one of the harsh, he's the harshest of the major prophets. Um, He's very harsh, but understanding this context really helps because you realize that he's not being harsh about things in the future. He's being harsh about things in the past and the present. He's saying that these things that have happened, they are God. Um, They are judgment. They are judgment. And here um, we see both a pattern and a reason for that. Yesterday we looked at Genesis and um, we didn't look at the fall, but if you know what happens at the fall, uh, you see that here there's a very similar thing in um, verses 16 through 21 um, that these people, they're living in their own land, they're defiled, and so he pours out his wrath. Um, And that same way that to be cast out of Eden, this is like a, um, a reverberation of that or a reflection of that. Um, that they were in the promised land, and yet their sin was so great that God was like, <laughs> "This is not like this is not going to work. Like you need something drastic." Mm-hmm. And then, uh, for those of you who are women who look at verse eighteen and said, uh, "Or sorry, verse seventeen, like their ways before me were like the uncleanliness of a woman in her menstrual impurity." This is not to say that your menstrual cycle is impure like it doesn't make you like a sinful person um it's what it's saying is uh in the in levitical law if when you were on your menstrual cycle you were considered unclean now that doesn't mean sinful it just meant that you weren't allowed to do certain things um like go into the temple walls just again not because it's sinful in and of itself it's just a sign a symbol that um this uh, of this blood is a sign of like impurity um but you could always be cleansed of it so this more Rather than saying that, oh, it's because the, your period is sinful, it's because it's the regular – I think you're talking about this constant regularity of this sin that's coming over and over again. Yeah, and so we see that God's – the reason for God's solution, the reason for God's salvation uh, is not our sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is his sake for his holy name, right? He is going to do these things and he is going to save. Um, and so – uh, we see this beautiful passage, Ezekiel um, chapter 36 from 22 on. Um, uh, this has a really, it already talks a little bit about uh, what we talked about last week with water and power, right? We have verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your uncleanness, right? We have this picture of like baptism, right? Of being cleansed. And if you remember in Ephesians, the bride of Christ and what does Christ do for the bride? Washes the bride. Uh, and uh, uh, 
if we go down a little bit to verse 27, mm-hmm. um, we see that it's also not just the cleansing of the outside and the cleansing of the sin, right? But what what does it really mean to be saved? It's not just the bad things get washed away, right? It is that the spirit, the breath, as we're looking at this week, that the the very intended creation that we were supposed to be, God himself is going to redo that. All right, so verse 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. So that's that ruah again. <clears throat> I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is a really a powerful image, right? That their hearts were hardened, right? We saw it with Egypt and, you know, the Pharaoh, right? His heart was hardened. But here God says, you know, even a heart of stone, you know, I can change. And um, verse 27, I will my spirit within you. Um, so that's both, you know, just life in you. But we also know in the future, there's another spirit that will dwell in our hearts and in our souls. And will restore us to the Garden of Eden, right? As Revelation, we see uh, those, those pictures. And here we even see God saying that in verse 35. Uh, I love verse 37 and 38 um, because a lot of people will use uh, 37 as prosperity gospel. That see, like you will increase their flock and they don't read verse 38 because he says, like, the waste cities will be filled with flocks of people. <laughs> right? it's like, he's like, before you go and think this is just about financial, right? Not only does this mean that, you know, what does it mean that God will increase um, your flocks? Flock? One, it is people, right, that ultimately he's talking to. Uh, but he's also saying that what that requires is I got to destroy your cities first, <laughs> right? Like whatever, all those things that you've built up for yourself um, in order for God to revive and in order for God to um, restore, mm-hmm. it also means God must destroy. He must destroy sin and he must tear those things down. And so I hope this is an encouraging passage to you. That, uh, you know, God wants to give you new life and new breath and new spirit. And he has. Um, and because of that, not only are we blessed, but the world is blessed. You see so much cleansing and renewal of the world. And for any of you that are ever like in doubt, like why would he do that when I'm so sinful? The answer is here. It doesn't matter how sinful you are. He's not doing it for you. Or he's doing he, it for his namesake. For his namesake. And as long as God wants glory for his name, which he always will, then that <laughs> means that he has saved you and he doesn't regret saving you. And he, mm-hmm. will, and, he, and he wants to save others as well. Have a good day. Bye.